bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. It's Foodie Friday. Remember, if you like Foodie Friday and Talk Healthy Today on Tuesdays, which is all health and wellness, be sure to subscribe and rate and review on iTunes because I don't want you to miss a thing. Joining us now is someone who has been on my shows for years. I just think he is amazing. It is Johnny Bowden, PhD, CS, excuse me, CNS. We're going to be talking about his book, The 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, The Surprising Unbiased Truth About What You Should Eat and Why. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Lisa. So good to be back with you. I love having you on the show. We always have fun. We always, you know, talk about how the whole cholesterol myth and saturated yes. fat and all that stuff. <laughs> I know. It's so much fun. Right? It is so much fun. All right. So I like that you say the surprising unbiased truth, because that means that some of these foods are going to surprise us. But before we jump into that, give us a little bit about your background and when you first got it, got interested in healthy living. Well, <clears throat> Yeah, I was, uh, this is a second career, well, it's, it's an old second career by now, but I was a professional musician uh, for most oh, of cool. my adult life uh, up until 1990, and I was a, a, exactly what you would think a musician who came out of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll era of Woodstock would look like and uh, the kind of health <laughs> that they would be in. I woke up at 11 in the morning, I had coffee and cigarettes for breakfast, I mean, I was a mess. And, and, you know, overweight and completely out of shape. And I tell you, uh, we'd be on the road with all these actors and actually just out of boredom, I would start like hanging out with them and going, uh, well, right, you guys, you all lift weights and you stay in shape. How do you do this stuff? And they'd sort of show me a couple of exercises in between the cigarettes, you know, and I just <laughs> got bitten by the fitness bug. I don't know what happened. I just... Started going to the gyms with the with the uh, with the actors when we'd go on the road. Before long, I knew where every gym in every city was, and I started eating better. And it took me a little bit of time. I didn't have one of those instantaneous transformations. I was one of the guys that would go to the gym, do a set of bench presses, and then go outside and have a cigarette in between. You know, so it took me a yeah. while to make <laughs> these kinds of transformations. But when I did, I became like a lot of people who chose health and fitness as a second career, became a little bit of a zealot because, you know, when you see the changes that happen in your own yeah. life, you see the weight come off, you see the energy improve, you see all of these things happen, you just want to tell everybody about it. And, and oh, so, I, so right. I, around 1990, I thought, I, I wonder if I could get like a, a degree in this kind of thing. I mean, how do you, how do you learn more about this? Um, you know, being an overeducated middle class New York City Jew, you know, I was immediately like, there must be an <laughs> academic way to do it. I got to get a, a degree. So actually what I did was I became certified as a personal trainer and I loved it so much that I started amassing certifications. I actually wound up with six, six major certifications in personal training and I started working at Equinox and, um, I became a, a. I started with Equinox with those guys when they opened their very first gym in New York City. I rose to become the uh, the dean of the Equinox Fitness Training Institute, where we ta you know taught trainers, and which is still the model for how they you know how they train trainers across the the country in different gyms. And then I got more interested in nutrition, and I went back to school. I got my uh, certification and my my PhD. 
And I started moving into nutrition, and then I got a writing gig and wrote my first book, and I've been writing a book a year since then, and now here we are in 2018, and 15 books later, and uh, a lot of television appearances, and here we are. (laughs) That is so awesome. And I laughed extra loud because I'm Jewish, too. So (laughs) Except I'm a Jew from California, Um, so the West Coast. But uh, at any rate, okay, so let's jump into these foods because some of them you know, I mean, like blueberries, things like that. But what are some of the foods you think that would surprise us? Well, yes, there's no surprises in in, in the fact that berries are great and wild salmon is great and all of that. And I, I do think that the book does have lots of anecdotes and stories and, and interesting yeah, things about the food. So I, I try to make it interesting that way. Um, but I think some of the surprising things are, for example, take a look at the soy section. Oh, yes. you can't find it. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> I was wondering. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and even well, in the table it, of it, contents, I was like soy. And I thought, huh, I'm, that surprises me in a book yeah. by Johnny. So for, so um, for example, I, I, yeah. I asked... Um, about 14 or 15 A-list uh, health girls to contribute their top 10 list of food, their personal favorites, the ones oh, that they ate right. on heavy rotation, not just the ones they recommended, but like what do they gravitate, gravitate towards? What's in their okay, sure. uh, cupboard and refrigerator? And we updated that list of experts um, for, the, for the 10th anniversary edition, which just came out. Uh, a few of them, you know, were not as well known anymore. I got some really big, bold names from who are really happening now, like David Perlmutter, for example. And oh, yeah. the interesting thing is that not one, not one of the experts I interviewed in 2007, nor of the experts I interviewed this year for the new edition, not one listed a soy food in their top 10 foods. So I think many That's people will something. find it surprising that soy is not among the 150 healthiest foods on earth. They may find it surprising that coffee is. That some of the Mm. things that they were told for years, like avoid all saturated fat, avoid all animal products, that that is not true. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's that's in there that is kind of counterintuitive if you've grown up with the low-fat, you know, with the, with the ethos of the last 40 years, you know, cut back on fat, don't go near animal products, eat lots of uh, vegetable oils. All of that is kind of exposed to be the untruths that they really are in the book, The 150 <laughs> Healthiest Foods on Earth. So people will be very happy to learn that they can drink coffee again and they don't have to yeah. eat soy 14 times a week and, uh, <laughs> you know, can, things like that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still not a big fan of dairy. Uh, I think maybe if it's grass fed or if it's organic or raw, what, what, where do you stand on dairy for people who haven't seen your book? Well, I, um, there's a theoretical answer to that and there's a personal answer to that. So I'll start with the personal. One of the foods I cannot live without, one of the foods that is always <laughs> going to be in my refrigerator at any time that you might inspect it, something that I consume every single week is raw milk. Now, you can't get raw milk in all 50 states. Uh, We're lucky enough to be able to get it in California. You can get it at farmer's markets and through collectives. But raw, unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk, right from the cow, ice cold, may be one of the greatest drinks I've ever had and one of the most health-giving drinks. However, that said, there is a portion of the population who does not tolerate dairy. Uh, 80% of the people in the world are lactose intolerant. Now, 
What I've found in personal experience and working with clients over the years is that many people who are sensitive to dairy or think they're allergic to dairy or just don't handle it well, when you start giving them much higher quality dairy, um, whey protein, grass-fed, raw milk, uh, they sometimes can tolerate that a lot better and they're surprised. However, that said, if you are, uh, my, my premise from the beginning of my career has always been biochemical individuality. We are all different. We're different hormonally, yes. metabolically, uh, it, it just in every manner that you can imagine, we have different shades of, of things. You know, you can see this on dating sites. We have different tastes. You know, some people like bald men, some people like tall men. Some, you know, it's all over the, the board. And we have to respect that and stop looking for perfect diets or perfect foods and instead start to look for perfect matches between our metabolism and what we're eating. And so I would say that for people who are sensitive to dairy and don't respond well and they maybe create a lot of mucus or they have different uh, low-grade, uh, I don't want to call them allergies, but sensitivity reactions, not a great choice. For someone like me yes. who does not have those reactions, I am in love with raw milk. I do not touch homogenized, store-bought, pasteurized milk at all. But I do drink the raw stuff and I do consume... Uh, some Swiss cheese, and uh, lots of yogurt. So I think it's a very individual thing. I don't think any of those foods are necessarily bad, but they are not necessarily perfect for everybody. All right. I, I'm so glad we talked about that. Okay, so beans and legumes. So people always say, oh, you're paleo, right? I say, well, I, I'm mostly paleo, very vegetable-heavy paleo, but right. I do like my beans and legumes because they don't bother me. So yeah. where do you stand on that? Because it seems there, like very if question. you're very hard, Here's okay, the background ahead. so that anybody who, who's not quite sure what we're talking about here, the, the classic yeah. paleo diet, as devised yes. by Lo Professor Lauren Cordain in the 90s, and then, you know, uh, uh, carried on the tradition to Rob Wolf and the paleo prescription of Mark Sisson and Paramo Blueprint, yeah. all the paleo <laughs> uh, stuff started with the premise, or one of the, one of the premises, one of the cornerstones of it was no beans, no legumes. And the reason for that is that beans contain something called lectins. And lectins are little proteins that can be very inflammatory for some people. And, uh, you know, there's, there's theories that they interact with certain blood types more than others. So, so the paleo gods kind of just said, no beans, no lectins. Now, when Stephen Masley, Dr. Stephen Masley and I wrote our, uh, our book, Smart Fat, we, I love him. <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't he great? So we considered, oh, you know, discussing different approaches, and we considered the paleo uh, and, and the bean prescription, you know, the, the anti-bean prescription. And Dr. Masley, who's far more research-oriented than I am, I mean, he keeps data on all the patients in his clinics and he's published studies and stuff, said that here's the deal. Only 10% of the population is sensitive to lectins. So, yeah, obviously, if you're one of those, <laughs> you don't want to eat beans. But the problem is that beans are one of the most nutritious foods on the planet. It's not just that they're the fiber heavyweights and that we now know how important fiber is for the microbiome. It's antioxidants. They're just an incredibly healthy food. So to cut them out completely because 10% of the population doesn't along with them is, doesn't seem to me to be very smart. So I, I am a big fan of beans and legumes, but only for those people who don't have reactions to them. Yeah, I love them. I mean, I'm already, yeah. you know, 
excited later to have lentil soup for lunch. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can hear it. My stomach is growling so loud. Just <laughs> because of lentil laugh. soup, I know. But, you know, I, if there's a theme here, I <laughs> think what you're, what you, if there's one single theme to all of what we're talking about, it's that we're all individuals, and it's not so much yes. about finding the perfect diet or the perfect food. It's about finding the right match with your particular metabolism. Now, that's some of the hard work that a lot of people don't want to do. They just want to be told what to eat. They just want to be given the rules. They don't want to really do their own investigation. But ultimately, the action is in really doing some self-experimentation, seeing how foods make you feel, what's your energy like, what's your sleep like, what are your uh, bathroom habits like. All of these things are affected by food, mood, hunger, cravings, sleep, energy, all of them. And so I am a big proponent in experimentation. Sure, you start with the book and you say, these are the great foods, these do these wonderful things, and then you got to figure out if they work for you. You know, I, I completely agree. As a matter of fact, I spent the whole weekend feeling crappy because I don't usually eat pizza and I had pizza and then a couple of days before I had a bunch of almonds and this is like heartbreaking and people listen to the show, they know this. I have uh, nut sensitivities. They make me really tired. Like I can eat almonds maybe once every couple of weeks, but if I eat them like three days in a row, it's like I'm sick. I just get so exhausted. Really? And yeah, it's it's like the worst thing, I, I tell you. But at any That's rate, so I just too. spent the whole... Isn't that weird? Yeah. So I spent the whole weekend feeling crappy. Oh. And it was only today I woke up and I'm like, I feel like myself again. So I know what I should eat and not eat. I'm also really sensitive to grains, even whole grains. So I don't yep. eat them very often. Whereas my husband, and yes, I know I mentioned this on the show, he can eat grains till the cows come home, whole yep. grains. Yep. And he is lean and strong. But he also exercises like a maniac. Yep. Um but I do better on the paleo with the legumes diet. Yep. And, uh, you know, he has more flexibility. And my daughter, she's 13. She's like a dairyaholic. But every time she eats it, I only get her like the good stuff. She gets all flummy. And she insists it's not because of the dairy. And they I'm like, honey, do. look, so every single... My brother, God it's bless so annoying. Soul, my brother wakes up every morning <laughs> snorting and coughing. Yes. And like, you know, with phlegm. And I, Jeffrey, what, is, so what, what, what do you do every night before? What, what, what's your diet? Drinks a huge glass yeah. of milk every night, does not oh. make the connection, will not buy the connection, doesn't believe yeah. in the connection. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she just gets too heartbroken about it and she gets overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's just take it out for a week. <clears throat> and then somehow she's like, oh, I forgot. I went to so-and-so's house. And she's, no. Uh-huh. But anyway, yeah, yeah, there really is a connection, right? And you have yeah. to really look at it closely. I mean, I, I did a whole food elimination diet because... It turned out I was sensitive to a whole bunch of different foods. And, you know, my best meal is some organic grass-fed little steak, a yam, an avocado, a big salad. If I could just stick to that, I would yeah. feel great all the time. But it's like, I really wanted that pizza, you know, <laughs> just I, once I, in a while. <laughs> look, there's got to be a place. I, I've said this probably yeah. since the beginning of my career. There's got to be a place for recreational eating. I mean, eating is one Definitely. of the joys of life. And it's a social thing and it bonds people. I, what we have to do is figure out a way to have that. And at the same time, keep our health because really, you know, if the food isn't right, nothing else is going to be right. Let's jump into sweeteners. I'm really big on xylitol, uh, a little bit of erythritol. Where do you stand on things like that? Not um, a lot. I, just a I've always liked xylitol. Um, I okay. like erythritol a lot. And um, mm-hmm. I like stevia. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. But sometimes I mean, there's again, an aftertaste, although there's, if you hate, mix it. Oh, hate gosh, the I, aftertaste, although I have found I a brand aftertaste. called Pure, P-Y-U-R-E, that's organic mm-hmm. and about the same price as all the other stevia, and it doesn't seem to have the bitter aftertaste, so that's the one I use. 
Well, you know what's a nice one too, and I have no affiliation, but uh, it's called Steviva. And they oh. have a whole bunch of mixes. It's amazing. I mean, they have stevia mixed with erythritol, stevia mixed with monk fruit, yeah, stevia I've mixed seen with those. agave. New Naturals has that also. These are some good yeah, companies. Nice. They make some good stuff. I, I, I um, you know, I, I'm not <clears throat> much of a cook or a baker, so I'm, I don't know about the qualities. I know that xylitol is not supposed to stand up to heat very well. So these are things I'm, I, are out of my sure. area of expertise. But there's nothing wrong with xylitol. There's nothing wrong with erythritol, Truvia. Or stevia; those are the ones that I I would recommend. I mean, one thing I like to do is I'll get unsweetened nut butter, and then I'll just sprinkle a little bit of xylitol on top, and then oh, give you know on idea. on whole grain toast, right? And that way, I can get the unsweetened without my daughter saying, "But I like the sweeter." The one thing is, you have to be careful if you have dogs. And by the way, I love the picture of you and your dog in the book. Is that a pit? Because I have a pit, and he's the love of my life. Um, which uh, now I have three dog. dogs, so I have to remember which one. There's a there's a picture of a white one. It looks like a pit. Oh, that's uh, yes, beautiful. that's Lucy. Uh, that's my Argentine oh. dogo. No, she's not a pit bull. She's actually oh, she's an Argentine not. dogo. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, and Aww. and my first Argentine dogo was in the first edition of the book, but she is no oh. longer with us. But this is Lucy, and she is the successor to that one. And yes. Oh, well, that's nice. You know, now I have a book coming out uh, called Clean Eating, Dirty Sex, which I know you would love because it's oh my got God, great I information. Love it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Send it over. <laughs> and it's got, uh, it's got over, I know, as soon as I have copies, it has over 50 recipes and they're all uh, pretty much paleo except some beans. So it's like right up your alley. Uh, as a matter of fact, I interviewed Dr. Masley for the book. So oh, um, did you? very, very, he's wonderful. Yeah. yeah very, very did. excited. All right, so people should get this book because you're going to find out what to eat and you're also going to find out why they're good. I mean, I love that you give all these great details about all these different foods. Yeah, it, it, it's, a lot of it's interesting because after all, you can you could write a book like this and make it very dry and encyclopedic and yeah. nobody would read it. And, but to know like what foods were used in fertility rituals and how some of the traditions yeah. came about, you know, with, with uh, pomegranates, for example. And they, they're just really, really interesting stories. And, and so I put in as many anecdotes, personal stories, you know, little tidbits and yeah. things as I could to make it a little more interesting. It is fun. You know, I recently did uh, an interview uh, with a woman named Jennifer, I think it's Sartell. She wrote a book called Epic Eggs. Mm-hmm. And uh, all about if you want to have your own eggs and you want to have chickens and what to do. It was really interesting. So, I mean, eggs I, I is such a great food. And, of course, you have information about that. And I love that you say the effect of eggs on heart disease has ac- has exactly zero to do with their cholesterol content. Correct. Again, back to that. So important. How do we get people away from that pair, the dominant paradigm of saturated fat is bad? I mean, it seems like it's more common, but I'll still talk to people who look at me like I have 12, you know, horns or yeah. something. Like, wow, Honestly, I, I will tell you, Lisa, that I have said this yes. many times in private. I'll say it now. I don't think it's going to sure. happen in our lifetime. I oh. think it's going to take another generation before this nonsense about saturated fat and cholesterol completely dies out. I think 100 years from now, when none of us are here, scientists and and people who deal with health policy will look back on this time of cholesterol madness and saturated fat demonization and they will smack their palm to their forehead and go what were these people yep. thinking it, it will it will appear to be as ludicrous and absurd as it really is but that it's just too hard to get people to for 40 years we've been hearing how bad saturated fat is and we've been hearing, you know, how to avoid animal products. And we should all be having lots of vegetable oil and stuff like that. And it's just not true, <laughs> but it will take a very, yes. very long time. 
and for the, the and, uh, medical profession who is so married to the whole Staten paradigm. Uh, uh, I, I oh, don't so think depressing. I think it's going to take a long time for that to die out, and it's probably going to take another generation of doctors. And I'm seeing it more and more at nutrition conferences. I'm seeing more and more MDs. Oh, good. Of course, those are the only MDs that go to nutrition conferences. So that's a very <laughs> small population of MDs. But yes. you're seeing more and more the movement away from cholesterol. It's just not an important measurement when it comes to heart health. It's it's, it's I shouldn't say it's not an important measurement. I'm, I should say it's an outdated measurement. It's it's an outdated metric by which to judge the, the health of your heart. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was so disheartening, speaking of heart, uh, was the American Heart Association. I am so furious with them over this ridiculous ban on coconut oil or saying it's bad. And then you see all the the uh, connections to the vegetable oil companies and this and that. And then it's just like, wait, what is this really about? It's really well, not about you know, our the, health. The it's about money. Thing, and that's it, very it, depressing. The coconut thing, I mean, talk about fake news. It's just, it, it, it's sort <laughs> of, a, the coconut st- uh, paper that they, that they put out that everyone yeah. reported on is saying, oh, there's a new study showing that coconut oil does blah, blah, blah. was not a new study at all. What it was was a review of existing literature on saturated fat and cholesterol. So let's get this very clear. We all know that saturated fat raises cholesterol. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so all they did was look back on a bunch of studies that confirmed what they already believed which is true, saturated fat raises cholesterol. Now, it happens that if you look under the hood and you measure cholesterol in the more modern way, you find that it raises it, but it raises all the good kind of cholesterol and lowers all the bad kind of cholesterol. But that little detail they don't talk about. So, yeah, they say, look, here's evidence again that it raises the cholesterol, and they use cholesterol as a stand-in for heart disease, which uh-huh. it's not. And they go, sure, yeah. it's raising the risk for heart disease. And all of See, was a so review huge. of existing studies, and it, it added nothing new, and it didn't talk about any of the wonderful things coconut oil does uh, for the immune system, for, uh, oh, for the brain, none of that. They just, they, they just rehashed the same old cholesterol and saturated fat story that they've been peddling for the last 40 years. There's nothing new in You know, in the last few minutes, I have to ask you a personal question, because I have sure. a loved one that has a very high LDL. And he went on a vegan diet. And I'm saying, uh-huh. no, I don't think that's the right thing to do. So can you give some advice on that for other people out there who are like, okay, I can't eat meat ever again because I have high LDL? See, first of all, there's, I don't know where that... <sighs> I know. Let me calm <laughs> Very down. Very frustrating. <laughs> okay. Well, I, first of all, because I, because I would question, where did they, where did they, they, I would question the connection between animal foods and LDL. Where are they getting yeah, that? That's a good First of all, most of the yeah. fat in, in beef is monounsaturated. That's the same kind as comes from olive oil. That's number okay. one. Well, that's good to know. Number two is when people tell me I have high LDL, I ask, great, how did you have it measured? And they say, oh, I don't know, the usual good and bad cholesterol. Folks, that's 1950s medicine. And listen, if you get nothing else out of this conversation and you're worried about your cholesterol, I beg you, take this take-home point home. There is a test for cholesterol. It's been around for over a decade. It's called the particle test. 
and it breaks down LDL and HDL into its component parts. See, we used to think back in the 60s, there were two kinds of cholesterol, HDL and LDL, good and bad, except we now know there's five different kinds of each. There's LDL-A, LDL-B, there's uh, HDL-2A, there's HDL-2B, and they behave differently. So when someone tells me their LDL is high, I don't care. What I want to know is how much of that LDL is LDL-A and how much is LDL-B? Because LDL-A doesn't do anything bad and LDL-B does. And if you don't know which is which, then you're just looking at a gross measurement that doesn't really give you anything of value. So if somebody does have the LDLB, though, what would be a better type? Well, diet that's for a very inflammatory particle. That is something you want to that you want to uh, keep an eye on, and it would require uh, a lot of anti-inflammatory foods, and you know, okay, and a program so is, to okay. to reduce that and to change the particle size. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, and there is research <laughs> on this. Anybody who wants to fact check me, look up D R E O N Drion. She's the researcher who showed this. Saturated fat actually changes the particle distribution so that you have less B and more A. So the very thing we've demonized is actually helpful for reducing the bad kind of LDL. Wow, this is so powerful. I can't wait to get this to my loved one. And so it sounds like obviously a lot of plants are going to be great for anti-inflammatory, but not necessarily cut out meat. But if you do have meat, make sure it's grass-fed, right? It's got to be grass-fed. And because that's, that be is, grass-fed. people do not understand. It's not just a little trendy thing. Oh, that's the latest and it's more expensive. Grass-fed's a different animal. There's no antibiotics. Yeah. There's no steroids. There's no bovine growth hormone. They're eating pasture, so they have higher omega-3s and lower omega-6s, which are inflammatory. It's a different animal. You can't compare exactly. the two. You know? Uh, Here's what I would tell your loved one. Here's, yes. Go you ahead. look up the particle test. It's given all over the country, the particle test. There's different uh, – Berkeley Labs has a version of it. There are different labs have different versions of it. Insist that your doctor do that test. Do not take a prescription. Do not do a, a do nothing based on the old-fashioned HDL LDL. Insist on the more modern particle test, which actually does give you valuable information. All right. Speaking of value for valuable information, I just love having you on. I got to have you back. Thank Tell you. Tell us all the ways to find out about you and your fantastic. <clears throat> Johnny Bowden, is, just remember there's no H in Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y-B-O-W-D-E-N, on Twitter, at Johnny Bowden, and on Facebook, Dr. Johnny Bowden, and of course my website is www.johnnybowden.com. Awesome, and as soon as clean eating dirty sex is in my hands, Send it <laughs> I will over. get it to you. You're going to love it. All okay, right, everyone, you can pre-order that, by the way, on Amazon. I want to thank everyone for listening. Check us out at Talk Healthy the Number Two Day on Twitter and Snapchat. Talk Healthy Today podcast on Facebook. Check me out, Health Media Gal One. Keep listening, stay well, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Have a great day.